Welcome to the Art of Humanity with Jessica Ann. Listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Explore creativity and consciousness. Evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Now, here's your host, Jessica Ann. So today I'm joined by Miss Metaverse, and she is the world's first futurista. She breaks down what's going on in today's world, tomorrow's future, and really what it all means. So Miss Metaverse, you're involved in a number of different projects, and I'm most curious about the opposite of the future. (laughs) Um, Can we go back a little bit in time so you can fill our listeners in on your past and how you got into being a futurist? Sure, definitely. Um, so first of all, thank you for having me here. <laughs> um, so basically, I grew up just like anybody else being into the future, I guess I would say. I, I always had uh, a fascination with futuristic technology and that science fiction kind of feel of life and where we're going to be headed. And growing up, I, I really didn't, I never knew what a futurist was until a couple years ago. Um, I actually began my working career in film and television, and I was pitching different different projects. They're all based on different concepts of what our future life could be like, and it was really interesting to see how many of these networks were shutting down my ideas because they kind of stepped outside the norm. You know, when I was going to these networks, and a lot of them want you know housewives and uh, swap people. At that time, that's that's the type of uh, content that they were looking for, and I guess the future wasn't really that popular. And I would say over time, it just got to a point where I wanted to move forward and I wanted to just start creating other things based on what I what I wanted. And the result of that was me starting my own blog, which was themisbetterverse.com, and that just evolved into my speaking and my consulting and. Um, I ended up becoming mentored by a futurist, and he taught me everything about uh, being a futurist and what it means and speaking and the consulting, and he really helped me fine-tune my craft, and then I just stepped out and started doing it myself, and I'm very happy, and I kind of feel like everybody should be channeling their own inner futurist because it's very helpful in your lives, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that you became a futurist by starting a blog. How did you go about doing that? You just kind of set up your blog and started writing about the future and you kind of created your future that way? Is that how you did it? Right. So coincidentally, my blog started first before I knew what a futurist was. (laughs) So, and this is what, this is really funny. Uh, So I was doing a lot of social media and things like that. And I, especially on Pinterest, I was pinning a lot of futuristic types of pins. And this is when Pinterest was like in beta. It was super early. And uh, I ended up having a lot of my futuristic pins repinned by a certain futurist. And him and I ended up connecting. And that's how we ended up working together and him mentoring me. And I had my blog up at the time, but I didn't know that that was a futurist blog or I didn't know that that was futurism. I just ended up finding that out once 
I connected with him and he introduced me to what I felt like was the others. And then I was like, oh, there are other people like me out there. All right. There's a title for it. Awesome. And I'm sure it's gotten so much more. Um, it's starting to evolve so much more in our present day life. Do you, do you find that futurism is more and more talked about in the present culture? Absolutely. Uh, I would say it's definitely becoming mainstream. And what's really weird about futurism in itself is that when I met the others, as I would call them, I was really excited. I mean, to meet other futurists, I was blown away. I'm like, wow, great. There's a whole professional world dedicated to futurism. And these people must be just like me. But although that we have the same interests and we do the same things and we work in the same area, I would say that the personalities are definitely way different. And I think it's a generational difference. And I say this a lot. I feel that millennial futurists are vastly different than those futurists who are digital immigrants because they grew up in a time without the Internet. And I think that just in general, there's sort of a uh, more of an academic elitist approach to futurism, whereas uh, the millennials and younger generations who are more passionate about it in, in a different way, I would say, um, it's two different approaches. And I think that millennials are more inviting to the public to become uh, futurists and into futurism. And I think that uh, the older generations are, are very much holding on to the past and being like, no, there's a certain way to be a professional futurist and we have certain formulas, and we go by the book, and this is how it's done. And that's very much changing. And to answer your question, yes, absolutely, it's hitting our pop culture now. Uh, Kanye West, I believe it was two weeks ago, he said um, on an interview, he said, I'm such a futurist that I have to slow down and talk in the present. Leave it to Kanye. <laughs> right. So, I mean, for Kanye West, I know it seems, all right, yeah, it's Kanye, but it's huge. It's Kanye West calling himself a futurist. That means a lot. It actually does. Whether we love him or hate him or whatever, I mean, it's, it definitely is symbolic of our times. So it seems like we're always kind of looking to the future. We're constantly moving into new realms of technology, science, medicine, and the universe. And it seems like it's almost impossible trying to keep up with all this information in our modern day living. Do you think that modern day life and our pursuit of like dehumanizing technologies like artificial intelligence, does this pose a threat to our ability to be a spiritual human being? I think that what we're seeing right now is a convergence of technology and these scary concepts like advanced artificial intelligence, as well as spirituality. And I think a good example of this would be the 2045 Initiative, which is uh, an organization that I've spoken about quite frequently on other podcasts. And the 2045 Initiative is an organization that was founded by uh, Russian billionaire Dmitry Itzkov. And his goal is to essentially unite all these researchers and scientists from around the world to work on creating human avatars that eventually will be able to upload our consciousness into these uh, synthetic avatars. Like the movie Avatar, we'll be able to actually upload our consciousness into these synthetic bodies. And eventually, by 2045, the year, the end goal is to potentially have consciousness inside a network, almost like humanity will evolve and we won't even need bodies anymore because we could exist solely in this 
I guess, metaverse, like the universe of the internet. And it's such an out there concept. It really sounds like a tall order, but there are people really working on this right now. And the way they have it broken down is that by, say, it's every 10 years they plan to have a new version of their avatar. So avatar A might be between uh, 2025 and 2035, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, one step, which I think is you're able to operate a mechanical body or synthetic body using your mind. And then that evolves into uh, being able to actually put your brain or your consciousness into another avatar. And that end goal being actually just consciousness in this holographic um, I guess being a holographic civilization in a way. So it just sounds it's very exciting. It's very, very interesting. Now, what I thought was most interesting um, talking about spirituality is that the Dalai Lama is actually a supporter of the 2045 initiative. So to me, I wonder how is spirituality going to converge with this artificial intelligence and also where we're evolving? How are we going to evolve um, alongside spirituality And there is very much, I've been seeing a lot of existential type of content going hand in hand with futurism. I think the two work very well hand in hand because think about it, if we're going to be evolving and we're going to be evolving into uh, being just pure consciousness, what are we? Are we consciousness? Are we our bodies? What's going to happen when we transcend our bodies? Are we still spiritual what is our spirit or or our soul where does our soul exist in so i think these are things that we're looking towards answering and um that's why i very much like holographic universe theory i kind of feel like that very much coincides with spirituality and the nature of our existence one of the things that i think about is this movie her have you seen it yes i have (laughs) okay I don't want to give too much of the movie away, but I get chills when I think about this movie because we're really not that far away. How will our integration with artificial intelligence develop and how will this affect humanity? I think the issue with her was that Joaquin Phoenix's character, Theodore Twombly, ended up falling in love with AI. And the thing is, is that how are, how, Will AI end up affecting our lives? We're going to be relying on AI in a lot of different ways. And I think that it's going to be what we're becoming is really is we're becoming more like machines and machines are becoming more like us. So there is that fine line between can we fall in love with machines? Can machines fall in love with us? And it is something very interesting to think about. Um, I think there is that going to be that middle point where we become more like machines and they become more like us and the two become one in, one in hand with the other. A huge element, as we were saying before, is consciousness. And, and I love that Alan Watts was featured so much in that yes. movie. Um, <laughs> he says, one of my favorite quotes, I have so many favorite quotes by him, but um, he said once, no valid plans for the future can be made by those who have no capacity for living now. Is it because we're advancing and evolving so rapidly in a technological sense that the other extreme of that is to really connect with our true selves and to be in more of our human bodies? I think it's very taxing on our, on our human minds and consciousness and just overall, even our bodies to be going through as much change, change as we're going through. And you're absolutely correct. 
is that what's happening is that we're trying to desperately take a time out as we're constantly changing and we're we're being overloaded by everything. I mean, between our emails and having to constantly know what breaking news stories come out as soon as they come out. And it's like we feel a lot of pressure to constantly be on on the cutting edge of everything, whether it be our, our jobs or technology or even being the best partner we could be in our relationships. It's like we're always striving to be better. And that it's funny because a lot of new technologies, especially wearable technology that I'm seeing coming out, does actually um, have to do with meditation. And there's a lot of wearable technology that I've been seeing that's helping people meditate. And I think especially for scientific-minded people, you know, that, that type of perhaps a type A type of personality, someone that has a hard time tapping into that present being and, and being in that meditative state. Some people actually need technology to get them into that meditative state. And I think it's good that we're coming out with this, this type of technology. And it's, it's good because people are actually finding ways to more accurately uh, read our, our brain waves and be able to tell how, what is our consciousness? What is, what is our meditative state? What does it mean? How do we kind of take a time out and, and kind of relax and, and even learn how to breathe better? So it's definitely good. Yeah, I find it so fascinating that we're really only at the beginning phase of fully understanding how much meditation really plays a role in our consciousness. What are some of the big apps that you love using and that you really can predict that are going to help our humanity evolve in the most mindful way? That's really hard to say. I mean, apps are always evolving and there's always new things coming out. But what I have seen is there's um, an EEG headset that's used for um, meditation, which is really interesting because we wear um, the headset it actually reads, um, it's called, I think this is it, the Emotive Insight. And yes, Emotive Insight. And it's this um, headpiece that you wear and it reads your EEG brainwave um, in real time. And it actually, the program, it, I think it connects with an app. And the, um, the app will create different um, type of like audio visual type of um experiences to help you and it'll actually as it's showing this to you it'll keep on measuring your brain waves and will keep on I guess evolving until you get into that desirable um, meditative type of space so and it's only going to get better right now we're, we have these apps and they're all pretty new and it's still evolving and EEG headsets like this are still evolving um, it's all new. I mean, I think the Emotive uh, Kickstarter was, I think it was in 2013. So it's all, it's not too long ago. I think it still has some ways to go. And in the next, another five years, it's going to get so much better. And I definitely think that it's going to be needing that instant gratification. And that's with, with everything. We have instant gratification for everything around us. And I think this, the same is going to go for consciousness and um, being connected to one another. And I think that the t technologies that are going to come out are going to be just unbelievable. I mean, I, I've, I've read before a long time ago that um, a lot of experts predict that the drugs of the future are going to be computers. 
And I, I believe Terrence McKenna said that himself. Um, so I definitely think that drugs of the future are going to be computers because they're going to instantly be able to put us into these altered states of consciousness. I think that's very, very interesting. I think that that's going to be also beneficial because a lot of drugs in general uh, throughout history have been used for expanding people's consciousness. And that's why a lot of drugs in spirituality kind of go hand in hand in certain ways. So it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves in the future. Come on. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. I know you were recently featured in Reason magazine. You described sex, love, and robots. I'm curious to hear your perspective on how sex robots are poised to affect humanity in the future. I think sex, ro sex robots are definitely going to affect the way that our relationships are in the future. There's a lot of robosexual people out there now that are just waiting for the day that they can finally be with a robotic companion. And what's interesting is that there's different forces at hand when it comes to the idea of sex robots. Some of them would be just having that partner that can't say no to you. And the interesting thing is being able to program your ideal partner. And just like the movie Her, right? Mm -hmm. Theodore's... AI companion Samantha was chosen, was created out of nothingness, all based off what five questions, I think. What is the relationship with your mother? And then there's another couple of questions, but those few questions were enough to generate AI that was sophisticated enough to actually make Theodore fall in love with her. Mm -hmm. And I, I think similar things are going to happen in the future. And I think that when it comes to sex robots, they're going to be just like us. And like I said before, I think that people right now, what we're seeing is, you know, there's people that have bionic eyes because they are blind and they're receiving these bionic eyes. And there's also people with other disabilities that are receiving different kinds of bionics and extensions of themselves that are mechanical and people are becoming cyborgs. And I think that over time, we will be more like robots. And I think that we are, there's a desire for some people out there to specifically be with robots because they feel that they could um, basically be more of themselves or explore more of their desires with robots that they can't do with other people. And I think that that's something that, I think that people want to be able to live out certain things in their lives. I think that robots will be able to allow people to do that. Do you think that it's because robots don't have judgment against our desires? Or I'm just trying to get to the root of like why the human fascination with wanting a robot companion. It's, it's just with any, any kind of companion that you want. The thing is, we, when we think about sex robots, we think of like some, um, you know, big walking inflatable doll basically that comes in is going to have sex with like all these guys and that will be the end of the world <laughs> but that's totally it's totally not it i mean sure yeah when sex robots first come out they're probably probably going to look like walking bimbos and they'll probably be a little bit like that but i think it's going to evolve as time goes on just like we're evolving and we're becoming more like machines and we're becoming and we're actually evolving ourselves. Um, I, I think that the movie Interstellar was pretty clever because there's uh, a robot in that movie called TARS mm -hmm. and the robot in that movie um, TARS was actually programmed to lie 
a little bit. And when I think about robots in the future, not everybody's going to want a companion, just like in real life. You don't, we don't all want a companion that's going to be able to just say yes to everything. We're going to probably program to our specifications to what we want. And that could be, maybe we want someone that lies to us a little bit. Maybe we want someone that challenges us intellectually. Um, maybe we want someone who we can have a little bit more control over. I think it's all personal preferences. I think that with robotics, we're going to be able to explore our preferences more. And I think that robots are going to become like people. I think eventually they're going to also have their own rights. And I think that they're going to become very much like ourselves. And it will evolve over time um, a lot. And it's hard to say, you know, by 2050 or 2100 how it's going to be and what our lives will be like with these robots or will we all just be consciousness in a big holographic machine that's to be determined (laughs) do you think that we'll all just be consciousness in a big holograph i mean can you answer that question do you can you kind of predict and see that if that's really the way that we're going to be evolving i think in a way we already are wow (laughs) because right now it's kind of interesting that a lot of scientists i mean i don't know why now I mean, back in the 80s, I think it was the 80s when Michael Talbot was talking about the idea of a holographic universe. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it goes back even before then. Um, But it just seems like the last couple of years, scientists have really been working hard at cracking the code of whether or not we actually do live in a holographic universe. Now, I always say that 99.99999, it's like 99 with... 0.999 12 times over percent of all atoms are empty space. Mm. So just think about that. I mean, we're walking empty space. Everything in our tangible reality is mostly made of empty space. So it kind of, doesn't that kind of make sense that if everything's almost empty space and we're essentially living in a hologram already? That's a really crazy thought. I very much am very excited about the fact that scientists are finally really working towards proving it once and for all. Because I feel like if the scientists have some kind of way of actually having hard science to bring it to the other people that maybe are a little bit more close-minded and need that scientific fact in order to say, okay, now I understand it. Because there's a lot of people, there's nothing wrong with needing actual scientific facts to believe something. And there's a lot of people out there like that. Did you see there was this recent article that came out about the Harvard uh, scientist who lost his consciousness completely? He, like his brain wasn't working and he pretty much died. And he came back and said that he like experienced this other dimension. And he pretty much just says that this other universe out there is just made of divine love. Do you think that it's almost like a feeling when we get to this altered consciousness? Yeah, I I definitely do believe that because I've experienced that myself. I've had out-of-body experiences. I know it's like, all right, now she's lost me. But No, no, I want to know about this. Tell me. (laughs) I have. um, I actually, I I wrote about it. I think I might have written about it uh, on realitysandwich.com. And this was some time ago. And... I had I had an experience, I think it was around 2007, 
and which was a very auspicious time. I just think in in history, just for everybody. I mean, it was right before the economy crashed and everything, and it was just a very interesting time. I feel, and it was. I was meditating, and all of a sudden, I just. I was I was very much into a spiritual space, and I think that we definitely do attract certain experiences in our lives based off what um, space we're in mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And I was meditating, and I started like sensing and feeling this green, like a green energy streaming out of my hands, and then I felt like I was connected to nature and the trees and everything, but just, it was very hard to describe, but I just felt that, and I saw it, and I was never experienced anything like that before in my life, and then suddenly, as soon as, like, that happened, it was like, I felt like the movie Avatar, honestly, I felt like I connected with nature, and then boom, it just blacked out, my consciousness completely blacked out. And all of a sudden, it was like I started downloading in my mind. It's like the true history of everything, but sped up, speeding through time. And then all of a sudden, at the end of it all, I heard this androgynous voice in my right ear whisper, five years. And I saw myself in New York City. And I was thinking I should have been in California, should have been in California. And then that was the end didn't make any sense totally trippy so surreal i mean i've never ever ever had something and i never had anything like that ever happen to me again and uh after that i just ended up completing a four-year-long journal and i randomly was in a bookstore and i think it was in the mall actually um walking through the mall and all of a sudden like you know, I'm going to go get a new journal. So, and this is right after I got back from this trip where I ended up meditating and experienced this. So I walk to the bookstore and look for a journal and I see one and I bend down, I pick it up and behind it are two completely out of place books. And one was 2012 Return of Quetzalcoatl by Daniel Pinchback. And the other one was like a Zechariah Sitchin's book. Armageddon and the Return. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never heard of any of this. I no idea. Had no idea at all. I mean, <laughs> this is all just totally happening to me. And I ended up reading his book, um, Daniel Pinchback's book, and I ended up connecting with him. But what's really crazy about this whole story is that I heard five years in this dream. And, well, I'm sitting there, and me not being the greatest mathematician, I'm like, oh, seven Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh wow, 2012. I've never heard about 2012. In 2007, nobody was talking about 2012. Mm-hmm. I was the first person out of anybody that I knew that talked about 2012, and that was because I found Daniel Pinchbeck's book randomly behind this journal that I picked up. And it's crazy how life works like that, you know? And yeah, nothing really happened in 2012. It, none of it really made sense. But I think there is just some crazy synchronicities that happen in life and some things you just can never explain. And maybe 2012 was a beginning of a new, of a new age in a, in a certain way. I definitely think that since 2012, we've seen a lot of change in the world. And I'm, I definitely think that there's a new consciousness about the world now, for sure so funny how like these synchronicities happen and you don't really know how to make sense of them when they happen and then slowly things start making sense over the years. Do you, do you have the feeling that you're almost living like in multiple dimensions ever? 
Absolutely. And that's why it's so funny with like all the scientists working on the holographic universe theory right now. I, I definitely believe, like, I feel that scientists are finally going to prove that we do live in a holographic universe. And that is going to change everything. I feel like if everybody knew for sure, it's just like saying, thinking that the world is flat and finally finding out that it's round. It's going to be that profound. I really believe so. Um, just for an example, last summer, I don't know if you know about this, but the Fermi Laboratory, um, the Fermi Laboratory was working on their holometer project. And so basically um, they created, the scientists by the US Department of Energy started this project that's called the holometer. And basically what it's doing right now is it's collecting data to prove whether or not we actually live in a hologram. And it's probably gonna be finished within this year. So within this year, we're actually gonna find out once and for all that do we really live in a hologram? And what the actual study is trying to prove is that um, that our universe might be two-dimensional, but we experience it as three dimensions, which is so profound because they, they actually compared it to this. They said, just imagine, like right now, like Jessica, just imagine that we're characters on a TV show, right? Mm-hmm. We wouldn't know that our three D that our three D world is actually being broadcasted on a two dimensional screen. So it's just like that in our real lives. Even though we feel and we're tangibly picking up these objects, and our reality is like a three D dimensional reality, we actually might be in two dimensions, <laughs> which is just wild. So you're saying that we could technically be a television show that's being broadcast to the entire universe mind equals blown (laughs) there it goes (laughs) yeah wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah so but i i do i I believe that like everything do you realize how everything is happening now we have the transhumanist party formed in 2014 so there's actually a political party now that for transhumanists for people, transhumanism, right, is uh, the movement of people that are that believe that through technology we will be evolving into post-humans. Mm-hmm. There's actually a political party now for transhumanists. That is so huge. Wow. All these all these things are happening at once. It's like the ro- the robots, the robotics. It's just out of this world the way it's it's actually evolving so quickly. And also we have these consciousness experiments going on. Mm-hmm. And I even just going to the movies the other day, I saw Chappie, that movie that just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Neil, directed by Neil Blomkamp, um, the same guy who did uh, District 9 in Elysium. Oh, I love District 9. Yeah. Oh, you are going to love Chappie. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> I will not give it away if you did watch it. And you're into consciousness and everything. I'm sure that you loved it. I mean, there are just so many elements to the movie that was so relatable. And I feel like whereas Transcendence and Lucy kind of missed the mark and kind of left us feeling like crap. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like Chappie just went there and it actually fulfilled the things that we've wanted in other movies. So I definitely highly recommend seeing it. In the meantime, where can listeners learn more and keep up with all of your thoughts and ideas about the future? 
Definitely. So everyone can, I, I definitely recommend that people su subscribe to my Awesome Future newsletter. Awesome Feature is my digital television channel that I plan on launching within the next few months. I will be doing an Indiegogo, so I highly recommend that, that um, all of you subscribe to my Awesome Feature newsletter, which is at www.futuristmm.com. Thank you so much for joining me in this metaverse. Oh, thank you so much, Jessica. It was a pleasure, and I definitely had the most fun talking today. It was awesome. Thanks for listening to The Art of Humanity. Please follow us on Twitter at It's Jessica Ann. Join us next week with your host, Jessica Ann. Evolve your business with the art of humanity.